gonna be just like senior year, except for funner. Hey guys, I'm Kendra. Hi, and I'm Mercedes, and this week we're talking about a love story for the whole family at my big fat Greek wedding. But of course, Mercedes, we gotta kick it off with our celebrity crush of the week. Who are you crushing on this week? Oh my goodness, Kendra. I'm crushing on young Al Pacino. Do you ever see a picture of young Al Pacino and you're just like, wow, I like you. I haven't, <laughs> seen, a fi- I haven't seen a photo of him yet. What does he look like? Of gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> man. I have like a whole group chat on Twitter where like anytime we see like a young photo of Al Pacino, we just send it to each other because really? we just love him. <laughs> Wait, send me one. I want to see what he looks like. That's so Oh my funny. God, I totally will. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I took your advice, Mercedes. Be proud of me. And I started watching The Bear on Hulu, oh. on FX Hulu. I know. And I I am like halfway through the last episode, so I'm almost finished with it. Oh my God. It's really good. I really like yeah. it. And I'm not surprised, too, because it's produced by, like, I think his name is Hiro Murai, who also produces Atlanta and, like, oh. writes and directs, too. So I'm like, oh, it's so yeah. even behind Atlanta. Like, that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. I have to give it to you. Jeremy Allen White is fire in there, and he's very beautiful. Cute. Yeah, but also <laughs> so is Eben Moss Bachrock. Like, I only know him from Girls, and hey, I don't think yeah. I've seen him in anything else. But he's so funny in here. Like, he's yeah. a total chaotic mess. Um, oh my god, it, episode seven with him and Sydney. Mm-hmm. He's like stressed the whole time. <laughs> See, that whole, I was, I mean, like, dude, freaking Carmi was yelling at everyone and just stressing yeah. me out. Like, I was like, this is, this is a lot. This is a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess this week I have two crushes. It's uh, Jeremy and Evan. So, oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I do love it. I do love it. So we're going to switch over to the TLDR. We like to recap the movie for anyone who has not seen it. We are so excited to be talking about such a classic as my Big yeah. Fat Greek Wedding. And this movie is actually just a brief interruption of our summer series. We've been focusing on rom-coms that take place in the summer. But this week is the 20th anniversary of this film. Can you believe that? 20 years. Like, and I was it's alive crazy. when this game. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I feel so old. So we just couldn't pass up that opportunity to talk about this movie. We just want to wish a big happy anniversary to my big fat Greek wedding. Warning, there are spoilers ahead. If you have not seen this movie, you can stream it on HBO Max. Yeah. <laughs> so Tula, played by Nia Varnalos, is a 30-year-old who dreams of living a different life. She wants to break free from her parents and be her own independent person. After deciding to make a change by getting a dramatic makeover, going back to school, and getting a new job outside of her parents' restaurant, Tula finally gains the confidence she's always wanted. But of course, that's when she meets Ian, played by John Corbet. Am I saying it right? Corbet? Corbet? Yeah. I don't, Whatever. I he's never cute. know. Okay. <laughs> Aiden Shaw from Sex and the City. Yeah. Hey, no, he's so cute. <laughs> uh, he is an incredibly cute vegetarian teacher who didn't notice Tula before. They start dating and spending a lot of time together. All while Tula is hiding what she believes to be an incredibly big secret. She's Greek. And like not like a little Greek. She's super culturally Greek with like a large family that fits all the stereotypes and everything. So she's scared to tell Ian this. But once she does, he fully accepts her for who she is. That's why he proposes and they plan to get married. The only problem is (laughs) Tula is supposed to get married to another Greek. After some tears and discussions, Ian decides to convert in order to marry her. Let the wedding planning begin. <laughs> Things seem to go awry at every corner, from Tula's family finding out Ian doesn't eat meat to Ian's parents' discomfort with the culture. But as we've seen so many rom-coms, love always prevails. The two make it down the aisle and in the best ending ever, live happily ever after, Windex and all. 
Yes, shout out to Windex. Shout out to Windex. <laughs> Just spray some Windex on it. This is a 2002 film written by the main character, Nia Vardalos, who also wrote the sequel, as well as movies such as Larry Crown and I Hate Valentine's Day. And it's directed by Joel Swick, who's also directed Girl Meets World, Shake It Up, and Fat Albert. Mm-hmm. So, this, oof, lots to say, Mercedes. It's lots yes. to say. But what was, like, one of your favorite facts that you found out from this movie? One of my favorite facts is that this is the highest grossing rom-com ever made. Wow. It earned $241.4 million in North American markets. Like, insane box office numbers for any film, but especially an independent movie with no A-listers and a Mm -hmm. rom-com. It actually made its most money in one weekend, four months after its opening weekend. And Vardalos claims that it's uh, so much of its popularity is because it came from word of mouth. So like people are telling their family members, go watch this. Or like you see one and then you tell your friends like, oh, maybe you'll really like this. So it had a big cultural impact, even though it didn't have as big of like a critical acclaim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what's so crazy about that is Nia was trying to sell this project for so long and she decided to turn into a one-woman play after she got rejected by everyone and when she did that one-woman play who happened to be in the audience but Rita Wilson Tom Hanks wife and she suggested to Tom that he produce the film and it's so funny because Tom calls Nia and she hung up on him because she did not believe it was him on oh the phone oh my god but like that's so inspiring to I love stories like that it's so inspiring mm-hmm. like it is so hard to get through that rejection. As someone who's been trying to sell a TV show in Hollywood for the past year and a half, it is so hard to push through that rejection. But sometimes it's like your dreams come true in the most unexpected ways. Like who knew, oh, okay, I can't sell this project. I'm going to turn to a stage play. And like one of the most famous actors at the time, his wife is going to see this and want to like turn it into a film. You know? Yeah. And like Rita Wilson related to Tula's character and like Tom Hanks really connected with the role of Ian of like going into this Greek family. And I just think that's so cool. And it just shows storytelling and original storytelling is so special and you never know who it's going to connect with. Yeah, exactly. And I love how personal to this project is to (laughs) Nia, because I will say the reason I've been getting a lot of rejections from my projects because people are like, oh, it's too personal. But the thing is, like, this is about Nia's life. Like, she even used her real family as part of the bride side of the family in this film. So, you know, when she's, like, getting ready for the wedding, it's like, those are all her family members. And then, too, yeah, she used her real-life husband at the time as Mike's best friend. So, you know, Mike's best friend who he's sitting in the restaurant with, who's also a teacher? That was her real-life husband at the time. They're no longer together. But, like, so much of who she is is embedded in this film. And I think that's what makes it so special. It's like when you have that connection to it. You know? Oh, yeah, totally. A personal touch is always so meaningful and people see it like you can tell that this movie has so much heart in it. And did you know that this screenplay was nominated for an Academy Award? I did know that, which is so crazy. I love it so much. And it just shows like it's such a good reminder that rom-coms are an important form of storytelling that deserve critical acclaim, too. Absolutely. And I think we fall under this narrative of like, oh, it ends in like joy and like a love story. So it can't be this popular, critically acclaimed movie. But really, we just want to feel good. I want to see a movie where people just are happy. Also, too, like, I feel like the reason Hollywood would look at this film and be like, oh, it doesn't work is because they're like, no one's going to relate to to being Greek outside of Greece. And it's like, no, it's not even about that. It is about all of the tropes and all the little Mm -hmm. like all the little things in between that everyone can relate to. Right. Exactly. 
overbearing parents or even being nervous to talk to that guy that you think is so cute or even just like being in an awkward phase. It's everything in between. And I wish that more people from Hollywood could see those moments. It's just so hard to convince them of anything. So true. So true. Guys, we're moving over to Time Capsule Mercedes, and I just like to recap where we were when we saw this movie. And as usual, I have no idea where I was, but I remember this movie was the talk of the town. Like, I remember it being played on, like, ABC Family, which is now Freeform, a lot. And so I definitely saw it on TV. But this is just such a good rom-com because, as you know, I just, I love rom-coms where you can see into the relationship. And this one, you get all of it. You get like where, you know, she notices him, but he doesn't notice her. And then he notices her and then they start dating and then they fall in love and then they get married. And like, I, you see all of it. And so yeah. I just, I love having that insight and, and seeing the progression of a relationship. That's the kind of rom-com that I love. Totally. And it's such an adult relationship. Like this feels mm-hmm. like a mature relationship, which is so important. Mm-hmm. I also don't remember the first time I saw this, but I've been quoting it since I was six years old. So I definitely saw it right <laughs> when it came out, probably. <laughs> it is staple in my family. We quote it mm-hmm. all the time. I can turn this on and like my dad's laughing, my mom's laughing, everyone's laughing. Mm-hmm. And it's really special to me because my friend Danielle and I really bonded over our shared love for this movie. And mm-hmm. now I always think of her when I watch it. And it's one of her favorite movies. And like right when we met, like when we found this like shared connection, we would just like start quoting it. And it's just so fun. It's such a quotable movie. And really is. this is also really special because it's one of the films I focused on for my rom-com undergrad thesis because it was one of the top grossing rom-coms. Yeah. Where it is. And so it all will always hold like a very special place in my heart just because I spent so much time analyzing it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so there's a part in the movie where Ian finally meets Tula's parents and her dad is mad at him because he's like, you did not ask me permission to date my daughter. And he's like, permission to date your daughter, sir, with all due respect, your daughter is 30 years old. Like, <laughs> you should need permission. And I'm curious, like, what you think about that. Do you think after a certain age, a man no longer needs to ask permission from the parents? Do you want, like, your future guy to ask permission from your dad? Like, how do you feel about that? I've never cared about that. I don't think there was ever an age where I thought a guy should ask permission from my parents. I've just never thought of it as, like, important. And I don't think my parents do either. My parents are pretty chill with that. Yeah, like, I can't imagine it. Like, I think it would be weird. Mm. Like, if a guy were to, like, talk to my dad about something, I think my dad would be like, okay, leave me alone. <laughs> it's like she's a grown <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> He'd be like, Mercedes does not, I don't know, she doesn't do anything we say, so yeah. she's gonna, <laughs> she'll do what she wants. Yeah, little rebel. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> so in 2002, I was 10 years old and in fifth grade. And I was just really into instruments at the time. I know I've said this in previous episodes, but yeah. I played the violin and the trumpet that year. But quickly gave those up when it became super apparent that I'm just not a musical child. Um, That was not much. That's surprising to me because to me, just from the stories you've told, you're so musical. I am. I am musical theater. I'm not musical like instruments, you know, like, (laughs) which I think is why I thought I could play these instruments because I had started doing musical theater in second grade. And I had loved it and I did it all the way through high school. Um, but the instrument part did not come, did not come with it. Right. Um, <laughs> Same. I'm not there either. <laughs> exactly. And I don't know why fifth grade is such a blur for me, Mercedes. Whenever I reflect back on my childhood, fifth grade is literally just like an empty. I have no idea what I was doing. I remember who I had a crush on in fourth grade and who I had a crush on in sixth grade. No idea what was happening 
in fifth grade. Fifth I'm grade. always just like, what the, what the, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, it was that like end of elementary school time. Like you're so excited for middle school. Mm-hmm. So like everything else, you probably just erased it all because you were just so stoked for sixth grade. I think that's what it was, too, because we were practicing how to be in middle school in fifth grade. So we yeah. like we would go and like walk to different classes and they'd time us because they're like, when you're in middle school, you only have a certain amount of time to get to each class. So you have to like... And then we got laptops, too. That was a big thing. But only with my specific teacher, Mr. Mode, he had Ooh. laptops in his classroom and everyone was like, oh, my God, you have to get Mr. Mode as a fifth grade teacher. And of course, I got him. So. That's so fancy. It was really fifth grade. I know. Oh fifth God. grade in 2002 as yeah. well. Yeah, That's <laughs> shocking. It was fun. Well, it was fun. I was I was in kindergarten. When oh, this gosh. came out, and <laughs> I always forget our age gap. I really do. You're so much here, and you're so insightful. <laughs> no, I. So I loved this movie, right? And I remember I would always quote the aunt's line about the lump on her neck when she's like, "It was my twin," and I used to do it in a little Greek accent as a six-year-old <laughs> because I've always had this swollen lymph node on my neck, and it shows up more like when I'm sick, you know, like normal <laughs> lymph nodes when they swell up. But <laughs> when I was younger, it would like stick out a little bit, and nothing's ever been wrong with it. But I would recite the quote and point to my swollen lymph node, and I thought it was so funny. And my family would crack up, and then I'd do it to kids at school. They had not seen the movie. They did not know the reference. They were like, what is going on? Is that the worst when you quote a movie and no one has any idea what you're talking about? So they just feel like you're crazy. Yeah, that was like my whole childhood. Because, like, I would take, like, Stepmom or, like, the Titanic or Grease to, like, Mm -hmm. class and, like, be like, can we play this during, like, free time? And my teachers would be like, you can't play these movies. These are so inappropriate. You cannot take these. They're like, Mercedes, what are your parents allowed? allow you to do at home exactly (laughs) what is happening oh gosh (laughs) it's time for the rom-com hall of fame but mercedes as much as we love this movie we must roast it and i just Mm -hmm. uh, i i I feel that because because it is such a special movie but i feel like literally everything that kind of comes out of tula's dad's mouth is a roast oh my god yeah (laughs) The movie freaking opens up with him saying, you better get married soon. You're starting to look old. And he's been telling her that since she was a teenager. Like, what the hell is that? So mean. So mean. So mean. What has I ever been okay to say? He, like, really craves control over his family. And I hate when he complains when Tula starts to find her way and, like, a mm-hmm. sense of self on beyond the family. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me so sad for her, especially when he says that it's, like, wrong for women to go to school. He's like, this is what happens when women get educated. <laughs> and that's so frustrating because, like, you want, like, your loved ones to really support what you're doing. And, like... Yeah. I don't know. Your loved one should always support your growth. And that just makes me so sad. But little does he know, his wife has all the power in that house. Like, this is matriarchy. I love the mom's speech. This is just like, when she's just like, the man is the head, the woman is the neck. Like, we are the ones that control this. Little does he know. (laughs) It's so funny, too, because I feel like... uh... A rom-com we should do in the future is Failure to Launch because I just watched that the other day. Oh, my God. Where, like, you know, you're older and you just, you're still living at home. I feel like this is the reason why there are so many people who don't just, like, leave the nest because of their parents, like, disapproval or, like, the lack of support that they'll receive from their loved ones. If they or, like, culturally, venture. like, so yeah. many cultures mm-hmm. just, that's just not the way. Mm-hmm. And this is an immigrant family. And, like, obviously in the U.S., it's, like, leave at 18, move out at 18, all these things. but when you're an immigrant family and that's not your culture's way, 
that's going to look odd to like the American eye, but really that's like so normal for like your background. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think there's just a lot of unnecessary cultural insensitivity in this movie, <laughs> like for comedic sake, which mm-hmm. isn't exactly funny anymore, you know? Um, yeah. So Ian's parents being so uncomfortable at every event and mistaking Guatemala for Greece mm-hmm. and not learning how to say Tula's name, like, that may have been funny then, but it's just so ignorant now to just be like, oh, you don't have an American name. I'm not even going to learn how to pronounce it. Like, come, come on. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't watch that and, and like laugh like yeah. I would have probably when I was younger. I watch it and I cringe because it's still so real. Like, you know, people like that are still yeah. around and being annoying, mm-hmm. but it's frustrating to see it. And you just want to like roll your eyes. You're like, can you just be the littlest bit respectful? Yeah, or just, like, cultured, you know? Exactly. Like, just, just learn yeah, something. Learn something. <laughs> what? Who on earth mistakes Guatemala for Greece? The no. only thing those two have in common is that they start with G. That's literally Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> completely it's different so continents, different culture, different accents, different language. Like, it's just, <laughs> do you, can you just learn a little bit about the world, you know? Yeah. It's very annoying. My main gripe, I have to say, my biggest roast, is that Tula's intense focus on Ian's physical attraction to her just makes me a little irritated. She, like, she can hear him tell her how much he loves her, and it's just, like, this big, sweet, kind, earnest moment of love. And she seems to only listen to the part where he calls her beautiful or pretty. And that just, I think validation from your loved ones is important, but it also shouldn't make up your entire self-worth. And you shouldn't put all of your value into how he sees you, you know? That's what she does to a certain point. And I know it's like rooted in just like years of insecurity that are like very hard to overcome. I know that. But I wish she didn't crave as much validation from him as she does. You know, it's very funny, Mercedes. So I, I'm happy that you acknowledge it stems from years of insecurity because I actually like that was a part that I really relate to in this movie because mm-hmm. I just feel like we as human beings, we do need validation to a certain extent. It should not be our entire personality. But I remember when I watched that part. Kind of like, you know, when you watch a part of a rom-com and you just kind of like curl it to yourself because you're like a little shy because you're pretending that yeah. it's you. I always curl it on that part because it has been a very long time since a man has said that I am beautiful. Like I get that validation from women, but at some point it'd be nice to get it from the opposite sex. And so that was a part that I could really relate to. And it definitely does stem from like, if you have gone so long without ever hearing that, which Tula has, like she's She's my age. She's 30. She has never even felt beautiful in her life. She's never gotten attention from men. Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's like when you walk about this earth, seeing everyone else get that validation, everyone else hearing these things and you just long to hear those things. When you hear it for the first time, it's kind of like a euphoria type moment where you're just like the heavens open. You're like, did you just say I'm beautiful? Like I have been waiting for someone to tell me that like my entire life. It's so nice to hear. and You just get really excited. So Thank you for acknowledging that it comes from insecurity because it definitely it definitely does. And I feel like that's why I love the character of Tula so much. Like I yeah. I just I feel a lot of what she feels in terms of like being a late bloomer and not getting that validation, not feeling loved and, and wanting just like a different life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, she is so relatable. And I think that's so special because it's like just generally like so many people can connect with her mm-hmm. as a character. Absolutely. Ooh, one more, Rose. The fashion, my dude. Like, I, 
It's so crazy how much fashion changes, not even through like decades, but like months. Like in months, all of a sudden we started wearing like filas again and and giant t-shirts and like those ugly dad sandals. Like those are in now. And it's just so freaking crazy how much fashion changes. Like there was a part where like she steps back to look at the mirror and like she looks nice and she's wearing all pink. And I was like, no one would ever wear that. Honestly, I've, I think maybe people would. Like, some of those, like, early 2000s looks that, like, you watched it in the movie and for years we've been, like, rewatching these movies being, like, that's a little tacky. And then yeah. you'll see, like, a very cool, like, 19-year-old wearing it and you're like, it's cool. <laughs> Do you think we'll ever bring back crimped hair? I think it is slowly coming back. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, because it started with the waver. Have you seen like the big three barrel wavers that look like three curling irons attached together? And oh, yeah. Crimp it. Yeah. And so it's like a larger version. So I think we're going to get there. Like, oh, crimped hair is coming back. Wow. I thought that was one of the most cringiest trends from when we were kids. <laughs> it never looked good. <laughs> Ever. You really did not. Oh my gosh. Do you have any other roast? No. That's all. That's all That's I have all. to say. All right. First of all, apologies by being my Greek wedding. We love you, but we love to just like acknowledge a little bit of yeah. <laughs> what we feel like has not aged well. Um, okay. So my favorite quote. I love the part where Tula is telling Ian about her family and she's like, You have two cousins. I have 27 first cousins. Just 27 first cousins alone. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, because he's just like, Cousins. And you're yeah. like, What do you mean? Why'd you say, Why do you, how do you have two cousins? Yeah, exactly. Like, Crazy. what is that? I'm Nigerian Cameroonian, first generation. And I have a crazy amount of aunts and uncles, but it's not like they're actually my related aunts and uncles. Yeah. It's just what we call our, like our elders or our family members, close friends, like out of respect. So in that regard, I do have like a million cousins because I like all of the kids I grew up with who are Nigerian Cameroonian, they're all my cousins. So that's how I would like introduce them. Right. And it's like, I'm not actually related to these people, but I've known them most of my life. And our parents are really good friends. So they're my cousin. Their parents are my aunt and uncle. (laughs) I always tease my dad because I feel like every time he's like telling a story about extended family, he like adds another person. And I'm like, who is that? Yeah, I feel like you're just making up names at this point. Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, I've been around for 26 years. I've never met this person. Exactly. I'm just, and he's like, yeah, you've met them when you were like five. And you're like, what do you mean? What do you I, mean? I don't remember that. <laughs> Mercedes, what's your favorite quote from this movie? Oh, my gosh. So I have so many. Yeah. And obviously, like, the lump on my neck, it's my twin line. I love it. But I think I'm going to choose. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb. Yeah. I just love it so much. Because you get, like, the whole room freezes, and they're like, oh, my God. And it's just like, it's fine. Lamb. (laughs) So funny. All right. So if this movie popped up on your Tinder feed, are you swiping left or are you swiping right? I'm swiping right. I have a lot of feelings for this movie. I love it so much. It's so special, and it connects with so many people across cultures. And I know I see myself and my family in Tula and her family. And I think this movie is so widely successful across general audiences because it's a story about otherness, but it's still connected to whiteness despite being so culturally specific. So I think that's why it hit it off in the box office in such a general way, because it doesn't imply the need for a niche audience 
audience that I think Hollywood would have framed it if it was any different type of non-white culture. And Tula's an outsider. Her whole feeling of being an outsider growing up and her desire to explore life beyond her family's expectations is so relatable to so many different people, you know? And a lot of my friends who are children of immigrants feel really understood by this film and Tula's journey. And I think its impacts on audiences and its box office success really prove how important and innovative storytelling is especially within like this genre and this rom-com feel-good format like we need stories that are different and yes this is a love story but it's also a family story and I just love her makeover being on her terms Mm -hmm. we get to watch her examine her own autonomy and find her sense of self apart from her love story we see this story of like the power of the matriarchy within her family her mom really runs the show despite what her dad believes and we see her cousins and her aunts all contribute and support her way more than she wants them to but it's really like the women are running the show and like they plan her wedding without her even asking (laughs) despite what she might want and I also think Ian is just such an earnest leading man and he's so charming because of that and he's so non-threatening and he really loves her and her family doesn't function as this ultimatum for him even though they're like a lot to handle at first. He really accepts them because they're important to her life and that's just really special to see and I just love how marriage also in this movie isn't some destination. It's not the be-all end-all plot point at the end of this movie. The wedding is only an event and not the final point of their journey, which is very important to remember, especially because it's so unlike marriage rom-coms generally. Mm. Because Tula and Ian really show this like realistic, mature adult relationship. Like you said, we get to see the whole thing. And the wedding is just one part of that. And exactly. I think that's so special. Yeah, exactly. I am swiping all the way right for this yeah. one. Like you said, I love the whole story. And you learn about cultural differences in a way that are accurate and represented by someone of that culture, which Hollywood was not doing at the time. I would argue they're still not freaking doing it now. Oh, Um, yeah. And I will say it makes me sad that she has to go through a glow up in order for Ian to notice her. Like, I wish that he saw her beauty when she was just standing there awkwardly staring at him. And it's it's interesting because he notices her, but she doesn't acknowledge that in herself. And I think that's what happens when you're like so bogged down, like within, I don't know, just that heaviness of insecurity is you're not even letting yourself like question whether or not somebody might be interested you know I'm definitely in that season because that moment made me realize like it's something that I've been battling with for years I think sometimes and I go back and forth with them like if I lost weight would I have a better chance of dating like would that be the thing that's like preventing me from from being in love and being in a relationship and I hate that feeling because I do believe that you should be with someone who like loves you regardless and I think it would it would be super jarring for me if I went through like a dramatic weight loss and then and then all of a sudden I started getting all this attention because I'm yeah. I feel like there's nothing about my heart has changed. You know, yeah, I'm still the same person inside, which is where it really counts. And I just feel like it would be so jarring to all of a sudden get the guy or whoever it is that I was chasing or interested in after that happened. Oh, totally. You're like, my character's been the same this whole time. Exactly. Listeners, focus on character. That's what's important. (laughs) We're going to move over to couples therapy. Mercedes and I just like to give advice for the couples on how they can improve their relationship. And I just feel like watching this, you are so right. Ian is so charming, Mercedes. And he's so non-threatening and he's so sweet. And I feel like relationships are give and take. And we see a lot of Ian giving in this relationship. He's the one who converts. He's the one getting married in Tula's church. He's the one who, like, tries to learn Greek. He moves the next to her parents. 
And I hope they balance the scales a bit because if not, like in the future, like resentment could build. And even though there's a sequel, we're focusing on like the first movie. Um, mm-hmm. And just saying like kind of in generally, when it feels like one side is pulling more weight than the other, it could lead to resentment. And so I just hope that they are able to find kind of more of a balance in their relationship. Totally. Mine is really just like I said before, I don't like how much Tula relies on Ian's validation of her self-worth for her self-worth um, because they just want her to acknowledge the the growth she's done on her own you know like she did everything on her own terms on the timeline that was right for her I don't know and then Ian came along and he's so caring and truly loves her and I don't think desiring validation from people you love is ever wrong but it just shouldn't ever function as like your only source of worth I agree yeah I agree I feel like too like with love language because of Tula's like years of insecurity and like you know kind of being behind the shadows if Tula's anything like me she needs all the languages she needs all of them (laughs) because she's been deprived for so long and she'll give all of them too and it's like in giving all of them finding out which ones he responds to the best but I feel like Ian's is definitely physical touch and I want to ask you something about that because I don't know maybe I watch too many TikTok videos Mercedes but I feel like I see so many TikTok videos of, of guys and it's mostly toxic guys just being like men are animals we are like we are like human beings Ooh, we are meant to God. hunt and stuff like that and I feel like with that mentality like a stereotypical guy do you feel like their love language is physical touch do you feel like that's kind of like a a, 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 a like that's kind of like a staple for all guys no I don't. I think the whole front of this like animalistic whatever they're trying to be, it's just so try hard to the point where I'm like, you need everything but physical touch probably. Mm. Like you, like men like that, just like the whole alpha male thing, I just roll my eyes at it. I do not like it at all. It like makes me cringe. And I'm like, you need so much more self-worth, self-work and just... I don't know, acknowledging your other needs other than just like a physical sense, because then those people aren't people who desire like emotional, physical intimacy either. Those are the type of people who, I don't know, just want to hypersexualize. Mm-hmm. And that's not anything like that's not a love language. You're treating me less than human. I agree. I think <laughs> and I don't want to sound like, OK, my my feed on TikTok is filled with those videos because that's what I watch. But I just feel like yeah. it's mostly people stitching videos like that. being like, Yeah, and critique. Taking it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I I completely agree. I was just curious your opinion on that because, you know, I like to hear your insight. Um, yes. But what do you think these characters' love languages are? So I think Tula needs words of affirmation and I think she gives physical touch and maybe quality time. And I think Ian gives acts of service. I mean, his whole thing through this whole movie is like, like he literally converts to Catholicism for it gets baptized in that little kiddie pool I love that scene <laughs> and like that's, like those are the ultimate acts of service just what he's willing to do to like really prove to her like he's in it for the long haul yeah. and he's so accepting of her family and even like when he's arguing with her dad and then he leaves and he's like, see you tomorrow, Tula. Like, that's so reassuring. <laughs> and that's so good. And then I think he needs quality time just because the more we see him open up, the more the relationship progresses, too. Absolutely. So do you feel like this couple lasts in five years? Yes, they're in love. And like I said, it's like a mature relationship. It feels like a really adult relationship that's definitely going to last. I love them. Yeah, I love them, too. 
And I feel like we do know that they last five years because they have a six-year-old by the end of the movie. (laughs) But there was a lot of sacrifice that was made for this relationship to happen. And I think they both appreciate that and don't take it for granted. And that's really special. Find someone who doesn't take you and your acts of service for granted. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And you are also giving back to them as well. Mm -hmm. Push and pull. Push and pull, exactly. Guys, it's time for Heartthrob, Mercedes and I. I'd like to talk about who we would take home to our friends and family. And I am curious for you, Mercedes. Who are you taking home from this movie? <laughs> I have the biggest crush on Tula's brother, Nick. Oh, yes. <laughs> he is so cute. And like, he's a little artist. And he, oh my gosh, I just, I love him. Nick, I also love the like, it's so funny how when she introduces the whole family and the dad's like, this is Nick, this is Nick, this is Nico, this is Nick. It's, it cracks me up. <laughs> and, but he is by far the best Nick. <laughs> I know one person from Greece and his name is Horace. So <laughs> That's so not, funny. Oh my God. Funny. But he is uh, super beautiful. He's a gore- he's a gorgeous man. So I am being stereotypical. I just I love Ian. Actually, I think he's so sweet. I don't really care for the fact that he's a vegetarian. Well, we can work around that. I'll just I'll just make some lamb. You know. <laughs> Ian is so interesting. Like this actor, like every character he plays is like so sweet and mm. so feels so wholesome. Like even as like Aiden Shaw in Sex in the City. And I have to say, like, I love Ian as a character, but, like, he doesn't do it for me, like, in any of his roles. And I'm, I, I think something's wrong with me because he's so kind. <laughs> he's, like, super white in this movie, too. Just, like, the type of, like, he doesn't know how to dance. Like, he's super uncultured. Yeah. Like, when he tries to pronounce her last name, like, he gets it wrong. He's, like, he's, yeah. like, populate or whatever. And it's just, like, <laughs> I personally prefer someone uh, way more cultured. Like, I want my guy to speak, like, multiple languages. Like, <laughs> something yes. like that. Um, but I hear, I hear what you're saying, but he is, he is just so cute and just so sweet. And I feel like it's been a while since I've seen like a sweet guy. So I think I'm just mm-hmm. like lashing got to that. Um, Definitely. <laughs> but it's time for Mary Smooch Ghost. We have Ian, Nick, Tula's brother, and then Mike, Ian's best friend. Who are you marrying? Who are you smooching? And who are you ghosting? I'm marrying Nick. Of course. And then I'm smooching <laughs> Ian and then I'll ghost Mike because he was kind of rude to Tula. In that first scene when they first, in that, in that first encounter. I didn't vibe with that. I didn't vibe with that either. I don't like rude guys. I am marrying Ian. I am smooching Nick and I am ghosting Mike. I'm glad we both agree on that. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Guys, before we wrap it up, we always love to bring in a pop culture moment. Yeah. And drum roll, please. Oh, my goodness. They are making a third film, Mercedes. <laughs> I know. They're filming in Greece right now. Nia Vardalos is directing it. Oh, Which she's directing so it. Yes. Oh, wow. It's, I'm so excited. Did you see the second one? Um, I want to say yes, but it's been a while. So I'm going to have to. I saw it at the dollar movie with one of my best friends, my best friend Kaylee. And we were like, huh, all right. We yeah. had like a routine of going to the dollar movie for like everything. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping this one <laughs> fulfills my like my big fat Greek wedding heart. Yeah, me too. My friend works at Focus Features and they're working on it right now. Like she's she's directly working on it. And I'm just like super excited. What do you think the plot's going to be about? 
I don't know because the second one was all about like her daughter going through like preteen teenage years of like grappling with loving her culture but also being like frustrated by her family just those like preteen feelings of being like I don't want to be with my family type of thing but also like accepting like your background so I don't know I'm like who's gonna get married who's left I guess her daughter but, I mean, if her daughter was six at the end of the first movie, I don't know what the timeline's supposed to be. I don't. <laughs> you know, Hollywood is like this fantasy land. Uh, timeline's never. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be like Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia 2. A completely different timeline. <laughs> I gotta watch that one, too. I gotta catch up on my sequels. I'm so bad at my sequels. I did watch The Sister of Charlie Mance, too, after we did our last Oh, my episode. God. So, uh, so good. So good. It is really good. I loved love it. Love that sequel. <laughs> Guys, we want to hear what you think. Do you love my big, fat Greek wedding? Can you relate to Tula? Who is your favorite character in it? And are you excited for the third movie coming out? Make sure to slide to our DMs, at me cute. Again, I'm Kendra. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Ken10Hollywood. Yes, and I'm Mercedes. You can find me at MercedesGV11 on Twitter, IG, and TikTok. And if you're looking for new rom-coms, follow Meet Cute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Meet Cute on socials everywhere. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.